You're listening to the Emmanuel Christian Center podcast. Join us as we jump into our series, Reclaim Your Future. Our past, our pains, and the scripts we've adopted can make us feel like we've missed our chance. But God is a God of opportunity. Where we may feel something is lost, God sees value. He restores that value and reclaims it, giving us new hope and purpose. So get ready. God is on the move. Good morning, Emmanuel. How many love Jesus today? You love him? My name is Nate, and a big shout out to all of our locations, Maple Grove, Elk River, Lakeville, Spring Lake Park, Emmanuel online, but also all of the prisoners that find us through the Pando app. There's hundreds of people that watch us every single week. Emmanuel, would you give a big welcome to all of our friends and family behind bars today? So thankful you could join us. We love you. We pray for you. We're believing for great things for you as well. And uh, one more thing, person, group of people that I want to welcome today, our Emmanuel Leadership College, they are back. And this is their opening weekend for the year. Would you stand up, all of our Emmanuel Leadership College students? Go ahead and stand up. Would you welcome them back? They're with us in Spring Lake Park. Yeah. They're with us with in Spring Lake Park today, but you're going to see them at each one of our locations uh, throughout the coming weeks and months. So excited about the next generation and all that God is doing. At the end of my message today, we're going to receive communion. So if you're joining online, you can go find something that's similar to grape juice and bread and get it ready for the end. All of our locations in person, we have, uh, we have these cups that have been given out and we'll receive communion at the end of my message today. All right, we're in week number two of a series we've called Reclaim Your Future. And last week, if you could take away one thing, and by the way, if you missed the first week, you can go on to our Emmanuel MN app or onto our website and you can watch or you can go on our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts and listen to the messages each week. But the big idea last week was is that God is not only the creator, he's the recreator. And uh, he's always making new stories. He can, there's a second story, a second half to your life. And God's about to do something new. And as we walk into the fall and we're thinking about a brand new year and the autumn season, school starting, everything is new again. Some of it we've actually gone through these months before. And we sh- should think about in terms of partnership with God, that if we put our schedules and our life in God's hands, he has a way of taking it and making something beautiful out of it. Amen. And uh, super grateful for all of the the help that we had last week, had a car uh, on the platform, and what a beautiful story that was. This week, the only thing I just mentioned is, uh, Pastor Phil gave me a pair of shoes, and these are Nike cre- uh, craters, and these Nike craters have 25% recycled material on them. So I feel like in some ways, I'm like, uh, I'm the pastor that is uh, environmentally friendly today, I guess, uh, on the platform. But he can take anything and make it new, of course. Uh, as we move into this week, the title of my message is Flip the Script. Everybody said, Flip the Script. Turn to the person next to you and say, What does he mean by that? <laughs> we'll find out here. Why don't you turn with me to John chapter 21? John chapter 21. This is after Jesus' death and resurrection, and uh, Peter has denied Jesus three times. He's given up. The movement feels like it's over. 
And Peter is in self-doubt, beating himself up. All this great joy he had just a couple weeks before was gone. And he goes back to his old job. He goes back to fishing. And Jesus walks up and he sees his disciples or other ones that were there. And he basically says, it's not over, buddy. He begins to build breakfast for everybody they eat. He takes care of their physical needs. But in, starting with verse 15, it says, After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. And Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself, went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. And Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. This is a great text, a lot of different theological aspects of this text. One of them I just mentioned is at the end of this part of, portion of Scripture there, you see Jesus forecasting Peter's future. And how many know it didn't sound like a great future? Like, you're going to die, and this is how you're going to die. Woo! Oh, thank you. But I want you to understand that when you follow Jesus, he doesn't promise no suffering, no trouble, but what's different is when you are locked into Jesus and his purposes, he gives you the capacity to follow him through every stage and season of your life, and he will be with you. Second thing I want you to see here, and this is really kind of what I want to dive into today, is that Jesus wants to restore Peter, because in the moment that Peter is in, he's spitting out things in his mind and maybe with his words that were historical. He was talking out of his past. He wasn't speaking about the future with anticipation. He was in a place where he was down, and his loss, he had lost his, his savior, who was now rose from the dead. He lost the movement, and he thought things were going somewhere. He lost his self-confidence because he had denied Jesus three times, and pretty much he felt uh, like he was a loser to himself. And here Peter is, and he's in a place where he's, he's given up. He's given up himself as a leader of a movement. He's gone back to being a fisherman. He's quit the team. He's packed up his uniform. He's gone home. And he's living with this internal pain or loss. He's failed. And every time a memory would come to mind, he's back in that painful pit of remorse and loss. And some people are in that pit, even though you didn't do anything wrong. So just because you don't identify with Peter and that you didn't make a mistake, you might have gone through stuff where you've lost a loved one. You might have gone through experiences in life where things happened to you and it wasn't your fault. We can all see ourselves in Peter from a different vantage point. Point is that on the inside, how we respond to our present tense comes out of the scripts of our past. 
We navigate the pains of our past, the losses of loved ones, our friends. Even if we did nothing wrong, we interpret our present by using the scripts of our past. Scripts are rules or algorithms or conclusions that we form sometimes that we're trained to believe. It's an actor reading somebody else's story, following some other line of thought. So when something happens in our present, we interpret what we're seeing through the lens of our prescriptions. Now, uh, I'm, I've told people over time, it used to be, I'd say, I'm 40, none of your business years old. And, uh, and I would talk about just my journey and things and as I grow older. And how I many you know, sometimes there's parts of our life that we're in denial about. And for me, one of those was, I couldn't quite read things like I used to. So I, you know, I was like, why can't I read this receipt in the restaurant to sign it? I can't quite see it. What's wrong with the receipt? right? And then when I would be preaching on Sunday mornings, I just have to be honest, over the last nine years, I've gone from 12 font to 14 font to 16 font, just so I can see while I'm preaching, right? And, uh, and then I started, you know, getting uh, cheaters, we call them, reading glasses, and I've got them in different rooms all around the house now, and I'll, I'll pull them out so if I want to read something, I have it. But I've been in denial about something that I might need a little bit more. And so uh, as, I've, as time has progressed and I've been thinking about it, yesterday I went to see and have an eye exam, uh, a doctor. And so they stuck me in. I'm looking at all the charts and everything else. And I've always prided myself in having good vision, not perfect vision like Pastor Dan was talking about a couple weeks, weeks ago. But I, I just... I, I was in denial, and as I'm watching it, he gets done, the doctor says, well, first of all, your, your eyes are, are healthy. Um, I was like, thank you. Uh, he didn't see anything in the back of the eye, any kind of degeneration, that kind of thing. Um, but you're going to need a prescription that I'll write out for you so that you can get different glasses. So now, and I don't have the ones I'm gonna have, but he's basically saying, you're gonna need to put on some glasses so that you can see things a little differently. And so I am in that space right now where I'm going to need a different set of glasses. Now, I'm still believing in healing, amen? I'm still believing in all that stuff. But for the present tense, I'm, uh, I, I have to wear these when I'm reading. And the time will come on Sunday morning where you'll probably see me with some glasses on so that I can read what's in front of me while I'm looking up and seeing you perfectly without the glasses. So bifocals or something like that are gonna be a part of my future. Here's the point. If you're thinking about your present tense, you're looking through a certain lens and it distorts or enhances truth. Is it really what you're seeing or is it just the lens that you're putting in front of you? If you've gone through rejection, it tells us, what we see. So if you've gone through rejection and you feel overlooked or unwanted and something triggers you in the present, you put on those old glasses and you interpret what you're going through through an old script, an old prescription. And there are also good scripts. There's the word of God that tells us who we are, amen? The, the truth of the word. 
You, you might even have gone through hurt or pain or rejection. You might have a difficulty in your history. You might have come out of a dysfunctional past. You find Jesus, and over time, you're improving, and you're growing, and you're realizing that old script is a lie, and you can learn to claim a new script. But here's what I want you to consider, that we all take our scripts with us, the rules for life, as we grow up. And sometimes we live in the present with scripts from the past, or the fear of the future. And anxiety is the feeling or of anticipating an outcome as if it had already happened. I've shared the story before of a time earlier in my life when life was busy and I was doing a grad program and I was teaching at North Central. I was coaching my kids' sports teams and I didn't sleep enough and, and I had a grand mal seizure as a result. I've shared with the church over time that this is why I believe in sleep. Sleep is a big deal. It's the different, eight hours of sleep is the difference between hope and despair, right? Sometimes, how many know, when you didn't get enough sleep and you're a little cranky, you know why you were cranky, because you didn't get enough sleep. All the young new parents are saying amen with me on that one. Sleep, what's sleep? And, uh, and, and yet, I haven't told the story of the time um, after that seizure happened, before I discovered the truth. So we went through about two and a half weeks of testing before the neurologist sat down and told us the diagnosis, which was a combination of lack of sleep and stress over time produced the seizure. That if I built back the banks of the river, so to speak, by sleeping and dealing with my stress, I wouldn't experience that again. Well, in the gap between the moment of the seizure and before we got the truth, I was living in the unknown. And as I lived in the unknown, I had subconscious and conscious fears of the future that I was unaware of. My body was feeling it. My mind was running. And we went down at that point. Our kids were young. And Jody and I, she had to drive because I wasn't allowed to drive yet. And we went to the Mall of America. And in the middle, that park used to be known as Camp Snoopy. And, uh, and we, we, we took the kids there. And... I, while we're walking around, I started getting a stomach ache. And I was like, oh, I'm like, Jody, go ahead and take the kids uh, to the next ride. I'm going to go to the bathroom. And by the way, my wife was a superhuman being, a super mom. She took four little kids by herself into the unknown. <laughs> I mean, she was amazing to handle all those kids. And So I just want to acknowledge that. I left her to go to the bathroom. So, so as I, I'm in the restroom, it didn't go away, and I walk out, and I'm walking towards the mall. I come up by a Starbucks, and I can't hardly breathe. And right on the wall outside of Starbucks, I sat down in the mall, and I couldn't breathe. I called Jody on the cell phone. I said, you might need to call the paramedics. Where are you? She starts freaking out. And I think in my head, I was worried that this thing that had happened to me at the seizure was only the start of worse things. And it built up to the point that I had a panic attack. You know, panic attacks, you have real physical symptoms because your mind is living out of something. And it was happening inside of me. She got the Mall of America paramedics. They came and gave me an oxygen mask. I started breathing again. I was okay. And I, I made it out of it. Here's my point. With anxiety, 
Anxiety is that anticipation of something to come. And without the truth, I lived in the fear of the future in my present. I want you to understand, we cannot reclaim the future without changing the scripts we have from the past or the fear of the future. We can't have new results with old scripts. We can't do it. Jesus helps Peter. Jesus comes up to Peter. Peter's gone backward. He's regressed. He's no longer leading the church. He's no longer fulfilling the purpose that God has for his life. And Jesus says to him, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know I love you. Then feed my sheep. And Peter was irritated that Jesus asked him three times. But how many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. See, Jesus was dealing with the script of the past, a recent past. He had screwed up. He had fallen off the wagon. He had done something wrong. And Jesus was restoring him. And on top of that, he was giving him an assignment in the present. He was saying, hey, listen, don't just get rid of the old script. Start doing something new and different now. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. In other words, Get off the boat, stop fishing, and start uh, a real fish. Go out there and fish men like I told you I wanted you to do it all along. Do what I've assigned you to do. You know how many people in the church or in life are stuck? We're not doing anything. We're stuck between our past and our future, and we're not fulfilling our purposes. And it doesn't matter what age you are or what happened to you. I would just say, let Jesus speak to you this morning. He would speak to you, listen, listen, whatever happened, I'll restore. He doesn't say it didn't happen. It did, but it doesn't have to stop you from your future. You still have a future and a hope in your story. There is hope. Jesus knows how to flip your script too. You can have the, what's called the mind of Christ. I love this passage in 2 Corinthians 2, 16. For who can know the Lord's thoughts, Paul says. He's quoting from Isaiah 40 here. Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things. He's talking about the church. For we have the what? Mind of Christ. In other words, the mindset that you had, the old script, can be replaced with the mind of Christ. You aren't sentenced to the crazy script of the past forever. We can have the mind of Christ and we can know his thoughts. We can be like Jesus. Come on, somebody. But in order to do that, we have to change our algorithm, our way we think. Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing what? The way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Reclaiming your future starts with changing the way you think. The way you think is the script you read from. 
So how do you begin to flip the script? Notice I said, how do you begin? It's not a one-time thing. It's a beginning process. The first thing is this. Update your prescription to the present tense. If you're caught in the past, get back in the present. If you're caught in the future, get back in the present. Don't let your tomorrow, fear of tomorrow, stop you from your today. And don't let what happened to you stop you from moving forward today in the present. And Paul is speaking to the church in 1 Corinthians 13. He's addressing some things that are out of control. People aren't getting along with each other. They're fighting with each other. They're not operating in love. And in, in verse 11, he says this. When I was a child... I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. Paul says, you could do one thing. You could be like a child or you can grow up. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's time to grow up. <laughs> Our mission statement, by the way, is for everyone to know Jesus, to grow together and live with purpose. So Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. What do you find yourself speaking? I'm not talking about in church. I'm talking about when you are in your nasty place, your dark place, your crazy place, your frustrated place, your angry place. What comes out of your mouth when you get rejected or you feel overlooked? What comes out of your mouth when you see somebody else succeed and you didn't? They got something you wanted. What comes out of your mouth when you find yourself thinking about world news, government, elections, leadership? What comes out of your mouth? Are you speaking as a child in this situation? Or are you speaking maturely? How could you speak differently? Does your speech sound like you trust God in this moment? Does your speech care about what other people are going through in their pain? Or is it only about your pain? Is your voice doubtful or critical or toxic? Talking like immature people, like who are childish? Jesus said in Matthew 15, 18, but the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. In other words, your heart is speaking something. And it kind of, you follow it back, it goes to the heart. I'll talk about the thoughts in a moment. But I want you to consider, you can understand where you are by how you've been speaking. Are you speaking in faith that God is with you in this moment? Or are you speaking with the lens of the past where it's all going to get worse and fall apart? Are you speaking with the fear of the future and what you say? to your children? Or are you speaking with the confidence that God is with us? And if God is for me, who can be against me? Are you listening to the pain who are, of others who are mature and how they talk? How is it that you can look at two different people who go through the same experience and one person comes out fine and the other person comes out toxic, bitter, and angry? Same experience. One's mature and one's childish. And you can tell by how they speak. This is what I love about the, uh, the body of Christ. 
We can learn from each other if we're listening to the right people. Because I'll just tell you this, not everybody in church is mature. Just because they come to church doesn't mean they're mature. You have to learn to listen to the ones that are mature if you want to speak with a different voice. We begin to flip the script by speaking with the mind of Christ. I always talk about it about twice a year, Ephesians 4.29, don't let anything that's unwholesome come out of your mouth, but only that which is uplifting to those who listen. Ephesians 4.29, I always talk about it in terms of a time. It's always 4.29. It's always time to speak things that benefit those around you. What time is it, church? It's always 4.29. It's important how you speak. Second thing that Paul says in there, in that passage, he says, when I was a child, I thought like a child. What are the scripts running through your mind? Where did those scripts come from? Words that come out of your mouth started as a thought. Thoughts precede feelings. You don't fall out of love. You think yourself out of love. Come on, somebody. Spring Lake Park said, somebody said, oh, that's good. I think he knows when I hear stuff like that, I start preaching a little bit more. Our thoughts precede our feelings. Our thought life can be like a game of piggyback. Whatever we're listening to becomes our feelings. Scrolling through whatever reel on Instagram or flipping through TikTok, and you're all of a sudden following the thoughts of somebody else. Garbage in, garbage out. And people are learning truth that way. They're learning what they think and feel through that. And let me just say this. That's a dangerous place to live if in your thinking, you're getting your thoughts from someplace that's not from the word. There are so many people right now that are throwing their ideas out there and there's platforms for their ideas that nobody else used to hear. But now they're hearing it and it's catching on. And people think it sounds really cool, but it isn't really cool for the next generation. And it's not really good for you. Your thoughts. Thoughts. And by the way, you do have a choice of what scripts you will follow in your thought life. Turn to the person next to you and say, you got a choice. See, some people, a child is a victim. It just happened to me. This is what they were doing. It wasn't my fault. What I was thinking about. Where I went on the internet. It just happened. Listen, we got a whole generation of people addicted to porn. Little kids now are growing up with phones that they can look through it and they, they, they can... They can go places that we would not want them to go. It wasn't even accessible decades ago. And now they're getting addicted to porn. Men who are escaping that way, caught in the bondage of it, 
following some other leader. It dominates their thinking. That's why at the church, we've got men's purity groups. And I encourage you, you're not a victim. Children are victims. Childish thinking is victim thinking. Not my fault. There's nothing I can do about it. No, listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10. For though we live in the world, we do not rage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every what? Thought to make it obedient to Christ. You are not a victim. You can take your thoughts, even if they come in and you didn't mean for it to come. A memory comes in. A temptation comes in. A fear comes in. You have not yet sinned just because you thought it. But what you do next determines your future. You can take it to the Lord. Take it captive. You can do something about it. You got anger rising in your heart. You find yourself becoming a bitter person. You don't have love coming out of you. You can do something about your thought life. You are not a victim. You can take it captive. And by the way, we need to understand that we have responsibility not only for our own mind, but parents, you, you have responsibility with your children. You have to take care of your kids. Understand what they're going through and train and prepare them. There's a world out there trying to invade their thoughts without your intervention. And you think, well, there's nothing I can do about it. There's just so many things going on. No, you got some more control than you think you do. You pay their cell phone bill. And meanwhile, the enemy's sneaking in in the middle of the night dropping all kinds of other ideologies on our next generation while parents feel guilty if they're strong and say no to their kids. I got something to say about that. You have a responsibility to train up a child. You can train them up. I'll talk about it in just a moment, but I want to encourage you. Listen, if you pay the bill, you have the right to see the phone. Don't you stand back and your kids grow up and all of a sudden they're in a whole bunch of stuff that you don't want them in and you paid the bill for it. You have responsibility. You are not called to be your kid's best friend. You're called to be their parents. The world out there wants to cut the parents out. But let me tell you this. Your kids need you to be strong. Now listen, the Bible also says don't exasperate your kids. Don't be one of those like crazy military parents, all right? There's grace involved here, so don't mistake what I'm saying. I'm just saying that literally the, the pendulum has swung the other way where parents are expected to just let the kids do whatever it feels right for them. They're 10 years old. They don't know yet. Their brain's not developed enough yet. You can lovingly take care of them, but you don't have to just let them do whatever they want to do. That's insanity. 
A child wants others to do it for them. Mature people do it, take their thoughts captive. The third thing that Paul mentions in that passage, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. Reasoning has to do with how you come to conclusions. How do you make your decisions? How do you interpret the data that's in front of you? Something happens to you, what do you do, what do, you do with that information? Is it one more indictment, one more proof that you're unloved by God because something bad happened to you? Or is it, no, something's happened. I can talk to God about it. I'm unconditionally loved by my Father. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. I don't understand what's going on right now, but I can interpret my life through the lens that he knows what's best for me. Dr. Anderson, my mentor at North Central, was the former president of the university. He used to say, when he was looking at all of society even a decade ago, and uh, some of the new ideas that were coming about what was right and wrong in society and that kind of thing. And he said this, he said, if I could give one gift to all of America, it would be, it'd be that every person sh should take a class on logic. Because some of the actions and beliefs that I'm seeing are not logical. They don't work in every, every, every other place. It's all feeling driven. And if you follow your feelings, don't be surprised when your feelings lead you off a cliff. Your reasoning matters. What way do you use to make decisions for your life? A child does whatever feels the best in the moment, the path to the quickest yes. But God gives us responsibility and parents to help children develop their own ability to discern between right and wrong, good and evil. I referenced it before, Proverbs 22. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. We need to train them how to choose a friend, how to handle money, how to handle a career, how to handle disappointment. And it has to be age appropriate, of course. And the whole idea is when they leave the home, they got the ability to navigate. Doesn't mean they won't make mistakes, but you've given them the essentials so they thrive outside of the home. So you got a really short amount of time to get them ready for that moment. And once they leave, it's too late. Now you hope they come back and ask for advice, but they don't have to. Listen, we can learn to grow and reason God's way. Even if you didn't grow up in a Christian family, your parents didn't raise you the right way. In the family of God, through the word of God, you can put on a different set of lenses. You can begin to interpret the way God says to interpret things. You, you can ask God for his ways during your time of pain, while you're under temptation, in the moment of loss or fear of failure. You can say, God, I don't know how to do this. Help me. Psalm 25, the psalmist says this, show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me for you are the God who saves me. All day long, I put my hope in 
you. That means you're going to face all kinds of different experiences. And when you face a negative experience, it's not a sign that something's wrong with you. It's an opportunity to grow up. You know your old lens, your old script, your old prescription, which said, when she told you off, you give her the business. But the new lens is you love your enemies and the fruit of the Spirit leads you. Your old lens gets insecure because somebody looks down on you. Your new lens says, I'm discovering who I am in Christ and I don't need to give in to my insecurity. There is a shifting of the moment where you say, Lord, show me, lead me, teach me. This is what Moses said when he was talking to God, and he says this in Exodus 33. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your what? Ways. So I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. Listen, when you see the word of God and there's laws in there and do this, don't do this, don't just look at the rules. Look at the why behind the rule. And if you can understand the why or the ways of God, you can know him. If you can understand the principles of God, then you can understand the person of God. Don't get stuck up on just the rules of God. Look at it and say, okay, Lord, why don't, why shouldn't I gossip? Because my mom taught me to gossip. My friends gossip. It's normal. Everybody else gossip. Everybody else talks about it. Why doesn't the Lord want me to do that? It's not his ways. Because he understands, as you know the word, and he teaches you his ways. No, gossip actually destroys trust in relationships. It actually hurts you and the hearer. It allows the enemy an open door for division. So we don't gossip, not because we uh, had that old prescription, but because we replaced the old one with the new one. And the new one says, I'm not going to do that because I am a follower of Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? So how do you begin to flip the script Update your prescription to the present tense. And secondly, receive the grace only Jesus gives. Receive the grace that only Jesus gives. If you're updating it to the present tense, chances are in the present tense, you don't think you're going to make it. In the middle of it, sometimes we want to give up. When we look at the mirror, we think there's no way we can overcome the obstacle. Our past is too strong. The memory is too visceral and real to us. The future is too scary. We're worried about what's going to happen to our kids. What's going to happen? What if? What if? Your Enneagram number six. Think of all of the potential risks out there, all the potential pitfalls, and you feel it, a panic attack about everything, and it doesn't even happen. When you're in the middle of that moment, that is the time to drop your guard and receive the grace that Jesus gives. And here's the greatest news. Jesus died on the cross. He literally had wounds in his body, stripes from a whip on his back. And the Bible says that by those wounds, we find healing. 
Not just physically, although we're going to trust Jesus for that today as we receive communion. But I think emotional wounds, deep, hidden memories, things that the enemy wants to keep beating us up about. When we bring it to Jesus in that moment and receive his grace, he gets us. He already has wounds. When he showed himself to, uh, to the disciples in the upper room after his resurrection, there was a powerful moment where it says that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And suddenly Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. See, what we have to learn to do in the middle of our deep loneliness and pain, and as my friend Tom Belt, former uh, staff pastor here at the church, says, when you're in your pain, you can't see the future. There is no light at the end of the tunnel. When you're in it, you're stuck. But that's the moment that you rely on the grace for things you can't see. From the one who went there for you. You don't know how to forgive, so you can learn how to forgive as you follow Jesus. We just went through the, the book study, Total Forgiveness, this summer as a church. If you haven't read it yet, I encourage you to read it. But if you want to figure out how to work through, you partner with Jesus on the journey of forgiveness, and your past won't own your future. And eventually, listen, hurt people hurt people, true? But healed people heal people too. That if you follow Jesus and his scars and his wounds, he has a way of writing new scripts so that you can be an instrument of healing instead of division. Today, we're going to receive communion in a few moments. And if you haven't received your cup yet and you need help, our hosts are available in each of our locations. If you're online, you can go to the fridge. Get yourself some juice, some form of a bread, and we'll do it in a moment. But before we do, receive communion today. And by the way, if you don't have to be a member of Emmanuel of the church in order to receive communion. You just need to be a follower of Jesus. You've been born again, and you're trusting in him. But if you haven't, there is always the free opportunity for Jesus to step in and put Humpty Dumpty back together again. He does what you can't do. That's his grace. It's the unmerited favor of God. If you're here in our church today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, today's your day. You can give your life to Christ. If you're here today and maybe you once walked with Jesus, but you need to come home because you went back to your old scripts and Jesus has walked alongside you today. He gave you breakfast and he asked you, do you love me? and he's restoring you like Peter, maybe you need to have that repentance moment where you turn around and follow Jesus and are made new. I want you to just close your eyes wherever you are. If that's you and you are here today and you need to come back to Jesus or you need to give your life to him for the first time, it's not by your works or your perfection. It's the work of Jesus on the cross for you. But you know you need to pause and receive the grace that only Jesus can give. And if that is you and you need to give your life to Christ or come back to him today, 
I want to pray with you. No one's looking around. But if you say, Pastor Nate, that's me, just lift your hand. Say, that's me, Pastor Nate. Yeah, 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 yes, yes, yes. Several people, yes, yes. What I love is Jesus sees you and he loves you. If you raise your hand or you wish you would have and you want to participate in this prayer, I encourage you to follow this prayer. Repeat it after me and everybody else in the church. You jump right in. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came to the earth. You died on the cross for my sin. You rose from the dead. And I know that you're alive. Today, I surrender. Please forgive me of my sin and make me new. I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Somebody give the Lord some praise. People give their life to Christ. Now, if you just prayed that prayer, you can participate in communion. So I want to give you an opportunity. You can, because you've just received Christ in your life. You're just like everybody else at the foot of the cross. I'd like everybody in all of our locations to stand, if you would, as we receive the communion today. These little coffee cup creamer things aren't always easy. So I want to give you permission. If you need help to ask somebody around you to open up that top layer first, there's a little bread in there. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he looked at his disciples and he said, this is my body broken for you. And we just believe that today there's a new script being written and our trust in the present tense is in Jesus. If you're here today and you've got brokenness either in your physical body and you need healing, we're going to trust Jesus for healing today. Or if you have broken relationships, maybe you grew up in such a dysfunctional world, you don't know how to do family God's way. And you just need Jesus to help you receive his grace in the present tense. It doesn't matter what it is that you're walking through. If you feel brokenness, you need a healing in your body or in your family or in your relationships. I want you to lift up the bread right now as you lift it up to heaven. Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that, Lord, that you would take each person, each body. First of all, I pray, God, that you would heal sick bodies today. We look to you, for you are our healer. We ask in Jesus' name that you would heal. We also ask for broken things to come back together again. Take Humpty Dumpty and put them back together again, Lord. We ask that you would do a miracle in broken marriages and broken relationships, estranged family members. I, I pray that you would do what we cannot do. You do a miracle. By your wounds, we're healed. Bring it back together, we pray. Let us see. That same night, Jesus took the cup. He said, this is my blood poured out or spilled out for you. Power of Jesus' blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood. Just think about in our own stories, in our brokenness and what we've come out of in our old prescriptions. As we step into the present tense grace of Jesus, he washes sin away. He makes us new. He gives us life. 
I'm gonna pray in a moment that God would do a miracle in the, the mind, the mind of Christ. I feel like our minds need to be washed with the blood of Jesus. There's a lot of toxins in there, things we put in and things that were put into us. But we want to be made new with the mind of Christ, amen? And when I'm done praying, I'm gonna say amen and our worship teams are gonna take over on each of our locations as we look to Jesus as our hope, as our future, as our present. He's the one that takes care of us. So when I'm done saying amen, I, I release our locations to, to go right into worship. Let's all just lift our, our cup up to heaven as if we're lifting our life to him. Lord, we come before you. And we thank you that you went all the way. You didn't stop. Hebrews says that it was for the joy set before you, you endured the cross. You saw today. You went all the way because you had us on your mind. You saw the freedom that could come, that we don't have to be slaves to sin anymore, that pornography doesn't need to rule our minds, that division and strife and anxiety don't need to control our present tense or our future. The Lord, wounds of the past, losses that we've experienced, loved ones that we've lost, missing out on, Lord, the, the stages of, of grieving and all of those things. Only you can do it. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So today, God, we don't look around us. We look upward. We look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. We say, oh God, we put our lives in your hands. Forgetting those things which are behind, as Paul said, we press on to those things that you have for us. And so we ask for healing, release, power. I pray for the mind of Christ to fill the church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out emmanuelcc.org for faith resources how to get plugged into the community, or to join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We are so excited to see what God is going to do. The best is yet to come.